Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Scareview. Cass here, uh, you know, just keeping her head afloat in this all-time crazy world. And I hope each and every single one of you is doing whatever you can to get by. I mean, thank God for Stephen King. I mean, his books, movies, they're all my little life jacket helping to keep me sane in a world that is whew, just crazy, crazy waters. Uh, you know, but God, you can't help but love the man. It is, it's just brilliant. And I think it's about time I tackled a topic and probably the only film that really fucking terrified me as a child. I'd come right out and say it. It was Zelda. Holy shit. She's terrifying. It's just, oh my God. It, It, to this day, it still gives me goosebumps. So without further ado, let's take a look at Mary Lambert's Pet Cemetery. What is this place? I brought you here to bury Alan's cat. Daddy, is Church all right? Why, Judd? I have no reasons. I dreamed he got hit by a car and you and Mr. Crandall buried him in the pet cemetery. What did we do tonight, Judd? What we did, Lois, was a secret. <laughs> May the Lord bless you and keep you. Has anyone ever buried a person up there? May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. You're thinking thoughts. That's not thought of. Daddy's gonna do something really bad. You're thinking of putting him up there. Don't deny the thought hadn't crossed your mind. Come back to me, Gage. Come back to us. Stephen King's all-time best-selling tale of horror. Pet Cemetery. Something about those late 80s trailers. You know, they were they're genuine. They don't tell you much. At the same time, for those of you who know what you're seeing, they give a lot away. <laughs> Either way, guys, I gotta say, if you want to know all there is about this all amazing film, I have to say, of course, listen to this podcast. And then right after, you have to check out the documentary, Unearth and Unfold. Uh, essentially, this uh, it, it's the path to Pet Cemetery. Uh, John uh, Cam Panino, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Either way, it goes above and beyond uh, with behind the scenes footage, interviews, all that good stuff. <clears throat> And essentially, it makes for amazing entertainment. Uh, you won't believe how quickly you'll be just sucked into things. And I have to say, I used a lot of this to help put together this podcast. And essentially, I've skimmed over, you know, and I'm doing his amazing documentary a disservice. So for those of you who love Pet Cemetery, definitely, definitely check out this documentary. It is awesome uh, and essentially you know covers everything from uh, essentially the writing publishing the film's inception to all the troubles and every hiccup that it came in you know came into contact with it's definitely a must see so pet cemetery often referred to as stephen king's pet cemetery is the 1989 horror film adaptation from the 1983 best-selling novel written directed uh written by king screenplay included and directed by the one the only mary lambert 
And those of us, we know the story, we're following the Creed family. Lewis, Rachel, Ellie, and Gage uh, making the big move from Chicago to Maine. And of course, befriending their wonderful neighbor, Judd Crandall. Uh, it just right away seems pristine. But there seems to be some sort of dark underlying mystery here. Quickly, they discover a pet cemetery in their backyard. And sadly... Very shortly after, well, on his first day, uh, poor Lewis encounters a, a death of one of his patients right away, Victor Pascal. Uh, it was just a jogger, mortally injured, total accident. And just before his death, he warns Lewis, you know, not to do what he thinks he needs to do and essentially triggering a series of misfortune. And this scene is monumental because essentially we're dealing with the whole battle of life and death. And we start off right away with a doctor. I mean, they represent, they're a figure that can control battle of death and right away he loses his first patient. So that is basically what we're looking at here, this battle of life and death. We start with the cat, uh, introduced to the very dark secret of this burial ground and uh, essentially to avoid poor Ellie's grief, buries the cat in the Micmac burial ground to find you know, him reanimated and returning very, very different. Now, you can kind of get by with this, you know, weird cat, right? But sadly, everything goes completely haywire and we see that poor Gage is lost in a tragic motor uh, ac motor vehicle accident with a tractor trailer outside of their house. And despite every warning from Judd not to do it, Lewis exhumes his son's body and buries him in the burial ground he returns not himself and of course this is when all hell breaks loose now this plot line is a parent's all-time worst nightmare truly horrific the, the idea the concept and of course the eventual loss of a child no one should ever ever endure that pain i mean this was all inspired by kind of true events which we'll get into that happened at poor king himself and would make it so tabitha couldn't actually read this book she did and it just freaked her right the hell out um but for me personally what freaks me out the most while watching this was always rachel's flashbacks and just the pain she suffered from you know the loss of zelda the feeling it was all her fault and so forth and then of course just zelda herself Everything they did to make that actor creepy, they nailed it and to this day still absolutely terrifies me. So we have a long cast, but quickly going to focus on, uh, of course, Dale Midkiff, uh, Lewis Creed, fabulous, absolutely fabulous. Um, but we cannot skip my all-time favorite casting. Uh, in, in fact, reminding me of my own grandfather, uh, Fred Gwynn as uh, Judd Crandall. It just couldn't have got any better. Uh, Denise Crosberry's Rachel Creed, uh, Miko Hughes is Gage Creed, Blaze uh, Brudel, a uh, set of twins, but most focusedly on Blaze as Ellie, and Brad Grenquist as Victor Pascal. <clears throat> All coming together to just making this one of my all-time favorite films from my childhood, and to this day, something I can still, you know, watch on a rainy day and absolutely enjoy every second of it. It's just wonderfully enjoyable. Now the book came from Stephen King uh from Stephen King's time living in a small house very similar to that of the uh Creed's and they lived right beside a busy road. In fact the same busy road would 
unfortunately take his own daughter's uh, cat's life. That whole God can get his own damn cat all inspired by true events with his daughter. And uh, of course, the truly terrifying moment when his son nearly stepped out in front of an oncoming uh, vehicle and inspiring, of course, the moment of Ga- with Gage. That's why this movie is so terrifying. It comes from a real raw place, uh, very vulnerable for, you know, parents and people alike. And uh, essentially that would easily translate onto film. Stephen King fans know George A. Romero and him, very close friends. So it only makes sense that Romero would have had the rights to this film in 1984, bought them from King for about 10000 King had denied several others this opportunity, but Romero would have to pull out uh, later uh, for the filming commitments, essentially due to his own filming commitments uh, with a project of um, called Monkey Shines. Now, uh, and great film, but uh, essentially development uh, executive Lindsay Dorain loved this finished script and advocated for uh, the film project to essentially be given the green light. She was told there's no demand for Stephen King films at the time, uh, essentially with this slew of adaptations from his novels uh, released in the early 80s. It's basically not till around 1988 when the Screenwriters Guild was on strike that uh, the production companies feared there was going to be a shortage of new, new films. So the script was done, we're ready to go, and this is when uh, Dorn was given the green light to start production. King had the final say on the director, of course, this being very important, and the studio's first choice was Mary Lambert. So the two of them would sit down, and he was instantly impressed with her enthusiasm, her love of the book, and her commitment to staying faithful to the novel. And kind of cool, she just come off filming uh, a few music videos, you know, such as Madonna's uh, Like a Prayer and uh, Material Girl. Now, Pet Cemetery would be shot in Maine, uh, with the production being based out of Ellsworth and auditions uh, actually being held at the Grand Theatre nearby, uh, with several hundred locals auditioning uh, to be extras or for small spoken roles. <clears throat> King was frequently uh, a visitor, and uh, essentially speaking with Lambert, he was in love with her ideas and uh, essentially, you know, would kind of pass or, of course, deny any deviations she wanted to make from the script. Now, the filming locations here are uh, a location scout's best dream. Essentially, they were keeping that individual very busy, starting with the Creed's home. Uh, it's a private residence near Hancock. Well, Judd's house was actually just uh, just a fake, uh, essentially all just built and uh, essentially built with uh, fireproof materials for when the time would come for them to burn burn everything down. Interiors of the Creed home uh, essentially was a soundstage in Ellsworth with interiors of Judd's house uh, being part of the Bangor arsenal. The Micmac burial ground was an abandoned granite quarry on Mount Desert Island in Acadia National Park and uh, essentially another part of that was just nearly a hilltop near Sedgwick. Of course, other locations around Ellsworth from Mount Hope Cemetery to the Ellsworth Town Hall. Now, filming with kids, there is a lot of laws involved. And Paramount, of course, they want twins. Kind of helps cut costs. This is how they casted things for Ellie. And this is how they wanted to move forward with Gage. But Lambert, being so impressed with this three-year-old's, you know, 
gifts and talents, his natural ability, fought for the fake, uh, for the ability of uh, the young actor to play Gage. And essentially, if it wasn't for her fighting for him, it never would have happened. Speaking of fighting, Paramount, of course, went after Fred Gwynn, believing audiences wouldn't take him seriously as he played Herman Monster on the TV show The Monsters. And I couldn't disagree more. That actor knows what the fuck he's doing. Let the man work. And of course, thank God Lambert fought for him again because I did an absolute wonderful job, knocked it out of the park. And, of course, the role that scared the shit out of me. Zelda, this is one hell of a difficult thing to cast. You're auditioning girls, you know, for a role of uh, essentially someone having spinal meningitis. And at the same time, this individual's kind of haunting. It's, like, spooky. It's ghost-like. So they were looking at casting a female. And, of course, this is when... Lambert decided to change things altogether and cast Andrew Hubstick. I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, a grown man, uh, of course, playing the young girl uh, would, of course, give the character an even more frightening appearance. And I gotta say, it fucking worked. Now, this is Lambert's second film. She's very big in the music video industry at this point, And her work in the music industry allowed her to make good friends with the Ramones. And of course, this was one of Stephen King's, you know, one of his favorite bands. The man's quite into rock and roll. And of course, she would ask them, you know, if they were interested in recording a song for the film. And of course they were. And this is when we have one of my all-time favorite songs, Pet Cemetery, which essentially we get to hear at the very end uh, credits. And you couldn't ask for the film to end on a better note. Now, the original cut of the film, the producer said, was too long, and essentially a lot of access had to be removed and edited. And one thing in particular was the ending. It was a lot more ambiguous, just showing Rachel arriving, Lewis playing uh, solitaire at the table, and just kind of fades to black. And uh, essentially, they wanted something that really pointed out what the fuck was happening, I guess. So we had to, well, they had to completely reshoot everything, going for something a little more gritty, making Rachel a lot more gruesome, and of course, ending off with the screams of Lewis, uh, so we know for certain that she is killing him. Now, the opening uh, of the trailer, we hear that creepy, very creepy theme, uh, written by Elliot Goldenthal, and I have to say, Outside of the Ramon song, this couldn't be, you know, any better to match this film itself. It's just, Lambert did such a good job all around. I love this movie. And uh, one thing I have to say, not till years later that I picked this up, that you can very briefly hear the Ramon song, Sheena is a punk rocker in the background. Now, this defied the critics and opened at blockbuster levels and essentially making about $57 million in North America, which isn't too, too bad, at holding a solid 50% with about 30 reviews. Uh, essentially, the main positive one saying that Pet Cemetery is a bustling horror flick that wears its quirks on its sleeves to the determinant of its scare factor. And, of course, our negative one coming from Variety saying that undead Shillick dulled by slasher film mentality. I guess essentially they just think it's all bollock. 
Now, they can say what they will. This film essentially would create its own legacy on its own with a second film coming out in 1992. This sequel was absolutely disappointing. Poor reviews, poor box office results. And uh, essentially, it references the first film, but has a total focus on new characters and Nobody really signed up for that. And the focus, of course, maintaining on the original, the cult classic. This would, of course, follow all the way up, of course, to now, uh, when 2019, we would see the remake. And, oh my god, if you want to hear my original disappointment for this piece of crap, uh, go back in Scareview time, and of course, you can hear me in the flesh review the terrible, I just... I don't like when you take too much creativity with Stephen King's original plot. It just, it was not for me. I would have preferred something a little more, you know, like the original to deter from that young girl's acting. Because I do have to say, she fucking spun circles around everybody else there. Now, just before we wrap up, I thought it would be fun if we kind of took a brief moment to look at the myth that's behind Pet Cemetery. The darkness that Judd references, the evil that's always kind of planning, lurking, totally messing with the creeds. And King essentially kind of bakes this off a Wendigo. It's a mythological man-eating creature or evil spirit from Native American folklore. And they are truly fascinating, Uh, mainly from the Algonquin tribes uh, and this kind of remote in the northern forest of Nova Scotia, which is on the east coast of Canada, as well as just around the Great Lakes region. Uh, the Wendigo is um, this unbelievable monster with characteristics of a human or can be a spirit who has possessed a human being and has made them monstrous. And uh, truly frightening, this possession or this monster can invoke murder, insatiable greed, cannibalism and of course of course any sort of cultural taboo and uh for you psych nerds out there i highly just going highly recommend checking out wendigo psychosis you'll totally just go down a youtube rabbit hole i will warn you now but it's fascinating stuff the wendigo will always be a very dark piece of mythological mythos i absolutely just adore its dark sort of thesis it's just it's got such a unique backstory and uh just how it sort of would hold its place moving forward and one thing I do have to say that I absolutely love is the references you see in pop culture especially Hannibal they did such a great job using the uh Wendigo as a as a reference for Hannibal now guys thank you so much for listening that was a long one so thanks for holding out uh till the very end uh do have to mention a couple things here September 1st guys mark your calendars uh reason why you need to go and purchase the house that fell from the sky This is an unbelievable novel that I had the pleasure of reading ahead of time. Uh, Guys, this is for all us horror fans, and I promise you, you will absolutely love it. It's combined a lot of, uh, you know, just unbelievable horror themes, uh, some interesting plots from, of course, other horror references that I absolutely love. And it comes together to make this wonderful, spectacular 
uh, story. It's memorable, amazing characters, and it just kind of felt like Cabin in the Woods meets The Shining meets Stranger Things. It's absolutely fantastic and just truly wonderful. I highly, highly recommend checking it out. And uh, as well, guys, I do want to say keep an eye out on my Instagram because I am planning uh, something just for fun and to celebrate uh, the scare view and all things horror. And of course, you know, COVID has just let everybody down. So it's time for something fun and something good to look forward to. And as always, guys, I do ask that if you like what you heard, leave a review, subscribe, and you know the rules. As always, guys, keep calm, stay creepy.